0: The title for the sermon this morning is entitled, The Woman with Weak Eyes. Text this morning will be found in Genesis chapter 29, verses 16 through 31, will be the focus of our lesson this morning. A lady was walking down the street on her way to work. She saw a parrot in a pet shop. She went to admire the bird and suddenly the parrot spoke to her. Hey lady, you're ugly. Well, the woman was deeply offended. She stormed out of the store. But on her way home, she thought she'd been a bit rash. So she stepped back into the store again. But the same parrot saw her and said, Hey lady, you're really ugly. She could hardly speak and rushed out of the store to go home. But the next day she stormed back into the store and the parrot was once again there. And this time he said, Hey lady, you're so ugly. She was so furious that she went to the owner and threatened to sue the store. The owner was apologetic, and he promised the bird would never say that to her again. A week later, she went to the store again, and the parrot spoke again. Hey, lady. She paused and glared at the bird. She said, yes. And the bird said, you know. (laughs) We've all heard the saying, That beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. And it is. Different cultures have different ways of seeing beauty. For example, in many Western cultures like the U.S., tanned skin is seen as a sign of great beauty. To achieve this, women and men will use tanning beds, tanning enhancers, They do fake tans, they use bronzers, and so on. But in Asian countries, lighter skin in many cases is more desirable. Pale skin is seen as a sign of not only beauty, but also youth and wealth. To achieve this, many women will apply sunscreen as many of us here should do to make sure we don't get the skin care. But anyhow, they apply multiple sunscreens and they um, use skin lightening creams and wear large sun hats, special visors, and so on. So it depends on what we are looking for. In Japan, women will go through orthodontist to have extensive work done on their teeth to make them look a little more crooked and uneven, from what I understand, because this is considered attractive. It is supposed to make a woman appear more approachable by the men. In South Korea, from what I understand, there is a trend to undergo plastic surgery to make one's face appear more heart-shaped. The procedure involves breaking the jawbone in three parts, removing the middle part and fusing the other two pieces together to create a pointed chin. Beautily, beauty is literally in the eye of the beholder. But in the days of Jacob and Rachel and Leah, beauty was quite, quite literal as we read in our text today. In the eyes, we are told in Genesis 29 and 17 of our text. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. None of the commentaries I read could explain what is meant by Leah's eyes were weak, but most agreed it wasn't considered a trait of beauty by the people of that day. As one person noted, her eyes made Leah unnoticed unwanted, maybe unloved, and unmarried. You see, Jacob didn't see, seem to want to marry Leah. And apparently no one else did either. One person said that Leah was one of Laban's big problems. If she didn't get married, he would have to take care of her forever. And he didn't want to do that. It would cost him money and riches or values to keep her. She was definitely not an asset to him. She remained unwanted and unmarried by everyone. But then Jacob showed up, and we know, and Laban kill, decided to kill two birds with one stone, you could say. He could get richer because of Jacob's free labor, and if he worked it right, He could get rid of Leah also in the bargain. It wasn't right or fair to Jacob, and it certainly was not right or fair to Leah. Imagine being unwanted or unloved. Even your father at this time thinks that you are a burden. And now Leah's competing for the love of her husband and with her sister, and she's never going to win that competition, is she? It's just not right. How many times, and that's what we're also the side parallel thought is what is right? That's just not right. How many people today? That's not right. That's not fair. That's what I want you to parallel with this today. But then, and God steps in, look at verse 31 of our text. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. and She had four sons, we know. Reuben was her first son. Reuben means behold a son. And she thinks in verse 32 of Genesis 29, Surely my husband will love me now. But he doesn't. Soon after, she has a second son. Simeon means one who hears. Think of that. In verse 33 of the text, it says, because the Lord heard that I was not loved, he gave me this one too. So this word Simeon means one who hears. If these two sons sons were not enough, She has a third boy, Levi, which means attached. Verse 34, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And then she has her fourth son, Judah, which means praise. She simply says in verse 35, I will praise the Lord. What I find interesting about these four boys is that they represent the conflict that's going on inside of Leah. The first and third sons, Reuben and Levi, reflect her burning desire for a husband. But the second and fourth sons, Simeon and Judah, she doesn't mention her husband. These boys' names Talk about her faith to God. Simeon meant one who hears. We know that God heard her. And Judah meant praise. And she declared, I will praise the Lord. You see, Leah was a woman of faith. Even in her unhappiness and despair, she had her eyes on God. And God rewarded her. He didn't just reward her with sons. We know that he rewarded her with an inheritance. Her boys became pivotal in God's plan for Israel, especially the third and fourth boys that were born to her. Levi became the father of the tribe of Levi. That's where Moses and Aaron came from. And the tribe of Levi became the priest who took care of the tabernacle and the temple. The priests of Levi were pivotal to Israel's worship of God. Then there was Judah. His tribe gave Israel men like David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and lots of other great kings of the nation of Israel. And of course, Judah was the tribe from which Jesus was born. I remember the first time I realized that God, or what God did for Leah with those boys. And I thought to myself, think about that. God used an unwanted, and what many would say was an unlovely girl, to give Israel its most important sons. Leah was given sons. And the tribes of those sons gave Israel its greatest leaders and ultimately are, all of us, our greatest savior, Jesus. But let's go back to how ugly Leah was. She was unnoticed. She was unwanted and unloved and unmarried until Jacob came along. He didn't really want her. How do you handle that kind of rejection? Well, Leah did the right thing, didn't she? She turned to God. She looked to God to hear her, and she looked to God to give him praise. And it was turning to God that changed her life. What do they say? In the most unopportune, inevitable times, people turn to God. They say many times the atheist who has rejected God their whole life may pray to him at the time of death. A counselor once told the story of being asked for help by a man whose son had just been admitted to a mental hospital. Upon visiting the hospital, the counselor learned that the boy was expected to be there for several weeks for observation to try to figure out what was wrong with the boy. And it cost the family several thousands of dollars. When this counselor spoke with the young man, he found out that the boy was withdrawn and depressed. In their conversation, the counselor asked the young man a very strange question. The counselor asked if you had the power To change anything about your appearance, would you do it? And the boy replied, You bet I would. I'd change my face. Your face? The counselor asked in surprise. What's wrong with your face? It's ugly. The counselor asked, It's ugly. Who told you you were ugly? And the boy replied that earlier that year, when he was at school, a couple of younger boys came up to him and told him that he was ugly. And the young man believed it. Once he discovered that, the counselor led him through a teaching from Scripture on why he shouldn't accept what he couldn't change about himself. And within a week, The boy was changed. He began to accept the things that he couldn't change. And the boy, in a short period of time, became a little more jolly, became a little more responsive, and then was on his way home. What did that counselor teach the young man? Well, first, he taught him that there's a balance of truth. You and I are damaged goods. We can read in Romans 3 and 23. Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you and me. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. Psalms, going in the Old Testament, Psalm 139 and verse 14, explains that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, the Bible teaches that you are made in the image of God. Second, God has formed us for his purpose. Again in Psalms 139, this time in verse 16, it says, your eyes Shall my unformed, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that they were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Isaiah 45 and 9 says, Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? But that would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? For us in art. The clay says, hey, what are you trying to make here? Some of us may have asked that. You know, I know that I was never real good with the art. I knew what I wanted. I pictured in my mind what I wanted to make, but it didn't come out that way. And, you know, some people, that's how they could crush you. But and what, are, what is this really supposed to be? But we know that when God was creating remember how it says, we are made out of clay. Does the clay say to him who forms it? What are you making? Everything about you has been formed by God. And it's been formed to give you a purpose and a function. Your looks, your physique, your mannerisms. There is not a single thing about you that God cannot know about and use for good. So even my bald-headedness and so on, I think There are many times that we were talking about this morning in our Bible study, looking in the first chapter of James, how we look in the mirror and see that reflection. Some of us may like that reflection. Some of us may look at that reflection and say, I wish I was a little different. And there were certain things that we look at. But the point I'm bringing out when we look at Leah, that God has made us. God has formed us in whom he wants us to be. And he will use us as he did Leah. You think about the greatness that came out of her ugliness. We realize that God forms us. God has formed us for his purpose. As it said in Psalms 139 and 16 again, your eyes shall my unformed substance be. And your book is written. We think about how Jesus says in the book of Revelation. We need to be written in that book of life. Our lives matter to God. We are not finished yet. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, we are his workmanship. He started working on us. And in Philippians 1 and 6, it says, God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. God never quits working on us. And God, fourth, I'd like you to look at that God has an inward idea of whom we should be like. And that idea is Jesus, the ideal image that we should pattern after. Thus God forms you and shapes you into what you begin to do to reflect Jesus in your life. That's what you and I need to try to follow. We think about the word Christian. Without Christ, I am nothing. Taking on the name of Christian to follow after Jesus, that we would pattern ourselves and follow in his image. And then we look at, if necessary, God will sacrifice outward beauty to develop inward character. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, Paul prayed three times for God to remove a thorn of the flesh from him. But God replied, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect your weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There are certain things about you that are unchangeable in your life. Your face, your body, your height, your sex, and he can use them to make you special and valuable. We think about how we are created by God in his image. So then, the counselor then led the young man in a prayer of acceptance that changed his life. The counselor led the man in prayer. He says, God, I want to thank you for my unchangeable traits. I especially want to thank you for the traits that I have not been thankful for. God put me back up on your easel and develop in me the inward qualities that you desire. The point is this, that when we give ourselves to God, it isn't our physical shortcomings or our disabilities that determine who we are. It's how much God Is allowed to control our life we have individuals on our back pew that I watched as athletes I never had the foot speed that they had the way that they could cruise I remember going up to them and saying, hey teach me how to do that you know how can you and I never knew what it was like to run fast you know and I I think about that's pretty cool how they could run people down and so on you know and on the football field and whatever I was never one of those people I was the person that could fool you and you could still catch me from behind before I got there. You know, that type of thing. But you think about, we all have things that bother us, like Paul. We have things that we wish were different. But yet, God working in us. God is saying, I've given you enough. Use the qualities that I have given you. Accept what you have and work for my glory. That is what we look at. It's how much God is allowed to control our lives. Richard Turner once did card tricks in front of the magicians known as Penn and Teller. I don't know if anybody has watched that show. I like to watch it periodically. And they are qualified official you know, I would say professional magicians and the things that they do. If you have never heard of Richard Turner, it was impressive to watch. Turner would do things like cut the deck. He would shuffle the deck of cards with one hand. And you'd have to see how he does it. He would shuffle the deck six or seven times and then spread the cards out so that the spades, diamonds, clubs, and hearts were all in order. So he would take a deck of cards, shuffle it six or seven times, one handed, put it on the table, boom. And they were in order. First off, all the diamonds in order from the two up to the ace, then the, you know, and just amazing watching that. And then he was so quick and, quick and clever with the cards that Penn. And Teller admitted that they, as professional magicians, were unable to determine how he did what he did. But what was more amazing about Richard Turner was, he was weak of the eyes. Not ugly. He had been blind since the age of nine. Richard Turner commented, I don't call myself blind. Because I see things in ways other people can't see them. My thumbs and my fingers can feel things that other hands can't feel. I now have 10 eyeballs. My fingers. And then he said, we all have uh, uh, obstacles. We all have obstacles in our life. Each and every one of us. You know, what I consider the worst disability of all, now this is him speaking. What the worst disability of all is to him is procrastination and laziness. He said, Give me blindness over that. Give me blindness over procrastination and laziness any day of the week. Oh, and did I mention that Mr. Turner is also a black belt in karate? He said he didn't miss a workout in 45 years. Richard Turner refused to let what he can't do get into the way of what he can do. I would encourage each of you in YouTube's or whatever, look up Richard Turner and it's amazing what he did. But has he done this without God? No. He will tell you. No. When he was a teenager, He admits that he did not have the great life. He got into drugs and other bad decisions he made. And he says what turned him around was a magician who became his mentor and guided him into becoming a Christian. He was asked, Richard, why do you think you're here? What do you think his answer was? He replied, I don't think I'm here by accident. I think I'm here by design. I think there's a creator behind the scenes. Just like I don't think that the Statue of Liberty created itself, I think there was an engineer behind the creation of that symbol of freedom. And since I'm not here by accident, then I'm here by design. And it took me a lot of years to get to the point that I'm at now, where my purpose in life is to encourage others, inspire others, while in the process of blowing their minds. And my mind was blown when I watched it. So you think about this and the message that I'm bringing you to this morning as I reach uh, this to a conclusion, bring this to a conclusion, that we, no matter what we look at in ourselves we tie in the book of James. And I would encourage you to go right along with that encourage you to attend our Bible study at Sunday mornings at 10. We're in the book of James. And when we look in that mirror, may we take the time as we discuss the morning to not just see an image and forget about it as we walk away, but to really dwell on that image, to really know daily, be in the presence of the moment, We have all have infirmities. We all have things that we probably desire that we didn't have or wish we didn't have. But may we realize that God has created us for a reason. And I use Leah as an example. There is nothing more unfitting than her situation when you first look at it. But the blessings that God brought out of it. God is working on each and every one of us today if we let him. May we turn our lives over to God. May we thank God daily for who we are and what we are blessed with. And in closing, and that brings us back to Leah. Leah depended upon God to look upon her struggles and help her change her life. She had obstacles no other woman like her could have overcome. But God gave her children. It was the children He gave her that brought her honor in her name, the honor she had through her children that God blessed her with. God's grace was sufficient in her life because His power was made perfect in her weakness. I'd like to close with Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Overall, this verse encourages believers to trust in God's grace and find strength in Him, even in times of weakness and difficulty. This morning, we need to look at what God has blessed us with. Without God, we are nothing. Without Christ, we are nothing. So may we look and ponder our lives today. May we realize the importance that God has in our lives. If there's anyone in the in need of the invitation to be baptized for the remission of our sins or to ask for the prayers of the congregation, we have that opportunity to do so as together we stand and sing our song of invitation.